All right, mic check one, two. Can, if anyone can hear us in the chat, let us know. Mic check one, two. Mic check one, two. There we go. Oh, I hear it. <laughs> Shabbat shalom, guys. For those of you who are celebrating Shabbat, keeping the Sabbath today, Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom, guys. For those of you who are celebrating Shabbat, keeping the Sabbath today. I'm going to try to turn that down with us if there's not a lot of back echo. But since I have my special guest tonight, my lovely wife. <laughs> hey, guys. Shabbat shalom. As a big result, we don't have two headphones, so we have to use the monitors. And hopefully it won't have too much reverb. All right, guys. So everyone can hear us loud and clear. Very nice. All right. Welcome, everyone. Looks like uh, James Henry, welcome. Line within us, welcome. Oh, please, welcome. And uh, Sandra Pelt, welcome. Laura B, welcome, welcome. Sponrons Anderson, welcome. Blood Saves, welcome. And then uh, Yochanan Ben Israel, welcome. Good to see everybody. Yes, you guys see the see the new shirt? I've read Galatians. So we have those, these just came in today. So we were showing them, you guys can, uh, Check out the community post here on the channel, or you can go to our Facebook page and uh, on the community Facebook page on Kingdom of Context. Shua Sloan, everyone. Donna Jagers. I think I said that right. I think the J is not, is it J sound or is it silent? I'm not sure. Grace Styles, uh, Tracy Pittman Davis, Laura's Corner, August Cancel. Shua Sloan, everyone. Thanks for joining us. And it's good to see you guys all showing up. And oh, yeah. Um, if you like what we're doing here, Go ahead and like the video, right? Share it on your social medias. So It'll get other people more on the live stream. Uh, that way they can participate and know that it's up too. Because we only have so much reach, you know, with all of our different social medias. We don't, we can't as reach as many people as we'd like um, until we continue to grow some more. So we depend on you to help us share the links and get the word out on social media and all platforms that you have available. And so we thank you guys for doing that. Um, all right, Shabbat Shalom. Uh, Esperanto God. I think that's how you say that. And uh, the grain one, welcome. Shabbat shalom. All right, guys. We are going to be talking about the second exodus tonight. And specifically, the gathering. So we're not talking. There's a lot of different verses that people use to talk about the second exodus and a lot of different facets. And all we're going to try to focus on tonight in part one of a three-part series is that uh, we're going to just focus on the scriptures that describe the actual gathering, look at their context. And our biggest thing that we want to try to like put in people's minds as we start talking about this is that we're going to be looking for um, the context that helps us differentiate this idea of this gathering and how people, because some people teach this gathering is different, right? Yes. So some people will teach that it, the gathering is the resurrection. Other people teach that the gathering is not... <clears throat> The angels coming to get you in the resurrection, but yet it's a physical land-based travel yes. that you're going to go travel over to the Middle East. Um, I know some teachers say you go straight to the Mount of Olives. Some people say you go to Mount Zion or Mount Sinai mm -hmm. um, and to the wilderness of Arabia area. So what do the scriptures say? Yes. <laughs> That's what we want to put on screen tonight. And uh, we want to talk about with folks. So, all right, guys, uh, a life less toxic. Welcome. Shabbat Shalom. Uh, thank you, Miss Laura's Corner. Yeah, we appreciate it. It's our it's our pleasure to be able to do this for you guys. It's really a blessing to us. Yeah, and uh, I have a lot of fun uh, preparing for these for these things. 
the, throughout the weeks. So, all right, guys. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to, what we wanted to do tonight is we wanted to go over um, some scriptures that have to do with basically, these are scriptures we've seen used for the last several years to support the second Exodus ideas and the different teachings that go along with this. So we want to just put some of those scriptures on screen. Unfortunately, we don't have the time to put all of them on screen, right? Because right? a lot of people will pull from a lot of different places. And um, and some of them they pull from. I, I have no idea how they do, how yes. they pull from them, but they yeah. try, right? So we're going to put like the most popular ones that we've seen used. Uh, we're going to try to address some of those tonight and those specifically talking about the gathering idea. Um, and then after we finish that, um, we're also going to open it up for questions and answers. So you guys stick around. So, you know, 20, 25 minutes in, you guys can start asking as many questions as you like. We'll try to get to them as much as possible. So uh, we appreciate you guys. Yeah. And make sure that you put your questions in all caps. Um, and if you have scripture references, uh, we can look them up on our screen. Just give us the references. You don't have to try and fit all the yeah. verses because the there's a character limit. Yeah. So you can give us the uh, scripture references and we can go over those with you. Yep. Can do. All right, guys. So I'm going to share my screen so that y'all can see the first verse that we want to review tonight. All right. So this first verse is going to be of Jeremiah 16, and this will be uh, verses 14 through 21. And he says, "Therefore, says the therefore, as behold, days are coming," declares the Lord, "when it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives." Who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to their own land, which I gave to their fathers. Behold, I am going to send many for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will fish for them. And afterwards, I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them from every mountain and every hill and from the clefts of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. I will first doubly repay their iniquity and their sin because they have polluted my land and they have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable idols with their abominations. O Lord, my strength and my stronghold, my refuge in the day of distress. To you, the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, our fathers have inherited nothing but falsehood, futility and things of no profit. Can a man make gods for himself? Yet they are not gods. Therefore, behold, I am going to make them know this time I will make them know my power and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. Jeremiah 16, 14 through 21. All right, guys. What do you think, sweetie? First thoughts. What sticks out? Um, well, first thoughts to me, this does not describe people physically walking to a wilderness in the area of Israel and basically camping out for a period of time while they wait for Yeshua to return. That's as far as I understand it, that's like the breakdown, like basic um, second exodus, like narrative is that people will be physically brought to a physical area. They will be staying in that area for a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. I've heard so many different periods of time right. suggested. Three yeah. and a half years, six months, one year, yeah. you know, long enough to make a ketubah, I've heard. Yeah. Um, so that's my basic understanding of the general, just if I had to put them all under one umbrella, that's what I hear the second Exodus essentially is. And to me, this is not describing that. To me, this is describing the resurrection. Okay. Well, look at, let's look at a few of the qualifiers and just even in this passage without, unfortunately, we don't have time guys to go through the entire chapter of Jeremiah 16. Um, but 
just even within this passage, which is a really famous one that's used, we can look at the context in this in these verses, and we can see um, it talks about two different concepts. After it says, I'll bring them from all the countries, and that's kind of the phrase in people's mouth that they'll be saying is he brought them from the north and from all the countries, right? It says, behold, I'm going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will fish for them. And afterwards, so step one, he sends fishermen that fish for whom? The people that the sons of Israel, he just said, he'll bring from the land and all the other countries. And then two, he says, I'll send for many hunters. Well, that's very different from a fisherman, isn't right. it? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's two groups. There's two different people on sent out. Yeah. One is considered fishermen to grab the sons of Israel from everywhere in all the countries. Number two are the hunters, and they will hunt them from every mountain, every hill, and from the rocks of the cliffs. And that's interesting, yes. right? So have we seen any else, any other scriptures like this that would, that would describe this type of behavior that the Father sends out? fishermen and hunters to do two different things. Well, I think we see something like that mentioned in the New Testament. <laughs> I think we do. I think we do. So let's go guys. Let's look to, um, let's look to another verse real quick. Matthew 13. All right. This is where we actually see that action in fulfillment. And this happens in a specific time period. So this is in Matthew 13, 24 through 30, and it's also going to be in 49 through 51. So real quick, I'll just read. Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, do you want us to then go and tear and gather them up? But he said, no, for while you're gathering up the tares, you may uproot the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first, gather up the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. All right. So if we keep going real quick in the same, uh, the same chapter, as he's continuing to explain, you guys, if y'all have ever read Matthew 13, you see that he explains uh, these stuff in parables, and then later his, his disciples are like, can you, you know, break it down for us? And so he breaks it down very plainly in the following verses. Verses 47 through 50, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea and a gathering fish of every kind. Well, that, that sounds like fishermen. Right. <laughs> and when it was filled, they drew it up on the beach and they sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but the bad they threw away. So it will be at the end of the ages, excuse me, or the end of the age, the angels will come forth and take out the wicked from among the righteous, will throw them into the furnace of fire, and in that place they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. So you guys, um, I'm going to stop screen sharing real quick, if, uh, if it will let me. And, okay. All right, guys. Um, I think... I think you might still be screen yeah there we go there we go there we go all right <laughs> technology so all right so we have this interesting concept between the passage in jeremiah 16 talking about the fishermen are sent out to gather the sons and then you also have this other the hunters are sent out right to search to hunt down in the mountains and the hills and the clefts of the rocks right isn't that interesting all right so do you remember in revelation chapter 6 verses 11 through 14 where it talks about the um, it talks about the kings of the earth that, or the people that try to hide 
yes. and ask the ask the mountains and the rocks to fall on them to right. hide them from the wrath of the lamb. Yeah. Yeah, that's I would put forward those are the people trying to escape the hunters. Right. Which are the angels, which Yeshua tells us in this parable here, that's that's the angels. Yeah. Right. The angels are doing both jobs, guys. They're they're sent out as the fishermen that are, you know, like the dragnet casting the net in the sea to grab a lot of fish. And then they also got the other ones that are going to come and take the wicked out from among the righteous, bind them up in bundles to burn them, right? While the good guys, the sons of Israel, who've gathered everywhere in front of heaven, are taken into his barn. Where's the barn? <laughs> the barn is his house. It's That's right. Jerusalem. <laughs> That's right. So like, well, here's the thing. I've never seen anyone that promotes a second exodus theory has never tried to address the idea of you know, calling, they, most of it's they're taken to the wilderness, right. right? Okay. So we're going to discuss the wilderness in great depth next week. Yeah. Right. Today, we just want to talk about the gathering process itself, as opposed to the, the location of where they were gathered to. So um, the gathering that I, from what I can tell from, from Jeremiah 16, mm -hmm. is a parallel and fulfillment through this parable from Yeshua in Matthew 13, where he's explaining the fishermen and the hunters of Jeremiah 16 are the angels that are also called reapers. Mm -hmm. Uh, which we see, I believe it's in Revelation 14, um, to go reap the earth for its harvest is ready. And then they're sent out to get both the righteous and the wicked right. for a reason. And they take the righteous to a different place than the wicked. They literally separate them. So, Yeah, and the time qualifier, guys, is the day of the Lord. So this is all happening right around the same time. And if you read that passage in Jeremiah 16, it's also giving you another qualifier there where it's talking about recompensing people for their sins. So as this, there's a gathering happening of both, there's the tares that are being gathered up to be burned and that's the rec recompense for their sin. And then there's the fish that are be being gathered up. That's us being taken up in the resurrection. We're going to be taken up into the new Jerusalem to be out of the way of that wrath that's going to be poured out. That's the Passover. That's when his wrath actually passes over us. So if you pay attention to some of the details and some of these verses used for the second Exodus, you can recognize um, the timeline of things that are going on there. So, absolutely. All right. So let's look at another verse real quick. Um, I'm checking the chat here and just seeing. I appreciate you guys. Uh, um, looks like uh, Wendy Ellis. Uh, I can't. Ellis Setimal. Setimal. Wendy Ellis Setimal at at Ymail. Sorry, <laughs> Wendy Ellis at Ymail. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, Hello, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Believe in the scene. Yochanan ben Israel, Bobby Mo, Shabbat Shalom. Um, looks like uh, looks like uh, EFTUP World. He's uh, he's in. How you doing? Uh, Grace Styles, Curious Calculator, Shabbat Shalom, Kelly J, Shabbat Shalom. Blood Saves is still in here. Awesome. Good to see you guys tonight. Um, so we're going to keep going through this. We're going to try to address some of these really popular verses that we've seen used for the second Exodus idea. So let me screen share again. And we'll, we'll get us back to see if it'll let me. All right, guys. So here we are. We're going to go to Jeremiah 23, verse 3 through 8. It says, Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them, bring them back to their pasture. They will be fruitful and multiply. Sweetie, have you ever had pasture over there? Uh, no. Okay. Is he going to bring you back to your pastor over there? <laughs> I just think it's funny because it's like some of these verses that are used, it's, it, it, 
it won't literally apply to me. I've never had actual pasture in Israel oh, or, right, or right. in that Middle East area yeah. in any regard right. uh, my entire life. But if I'm one of the sons of Israel that is gathered from all the countries, mm-hmm. right, then how does this apply to me? Well, to me, that comes in to understand the actual promise of the covenant itself, right. which would go back to you know Abraham and the fullness of the promise there for all of Israel who believe in faith. So he says here, I will also raise up shepherds over them and they will tend them and they will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I raise up for David a righteous branch and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So, I think that's pretty, you know, a uh, pretty large statement, guys, where it says in his days, right? Talking about the branch that's raised up, this idiomatic term of David, a branch, a righteous branch. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know a lot of people like to say, like, David will be reincarnated or resurrected and he's going to be the king. But no, guys, yeah. there's only one righteous branch that's talked about in all of prophecy. That's Yeshua HaMashiach. That's Jesus of Nazareth, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And there's an idiomatic term of rulership that they used to call David since he was their first great king, that they would impose, just like, um, as we're going to talk about Alexander the Great here Mm -hmm. in a few minutes, just as the kings of Persia and Medea and different places like that, they would have like Cyrus and Xerxes and Artaxerxes and Darius, but the successors of those kings would take on that same moniker. So you'd have David, or excuse me, Darius 1, 2, and Mm 3. You'd have Artaxerxes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Right. You've got all these kings. And even though they aren't the original Artaxerxes, they would take on that name as a moniker of rulership because that was considered a great king in that culture. Same thing with the Hebrews here, guys. Yeshua is our David in this regard in Mm -hmm. Jeremiah 23. He's our righteous branch. And it says in his days. Right. So in the days that he's raised up as the righteous branch, he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. And in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And that this is his name by which he will be called the Lord's our righteousness. This is the verse right after it says they're gathered. Right. So meaning he will be on the ground reigning as king of the kingdom. That's right. When this verse is the, the time, right. the time frame of this verse. So to me, that would run against the narrative that people are physically gathered to Mount Sinai to hang out with Jesus for five or six months until the Sukkot happens. Right. Well, and not that. everybody, not everybody teaches that mm-hmm, Yeshua right. is going to be down there when they're gathered in this Exodus. Some people teach that they're gathered in that Exodus to wait there right. to wait for his second coming. So right. it's kind of confusing because there's many variants of the teaching and not one um, solid narrative. Right. So, and here's the big thing that we want to get across tonight, guys. We agree. There's a gathering. Yes. Hundred percent. Yeah. Now, if you want to call that a greater exodus, that's fine. The terminology we don't want to we don't want to yeah. really bicker over. We call it a first resurrection, but the the difference is how you're gathered. <laughs> right. We prefer the term resurrection mainly because that is the term that our Messiah and his apostles used, yeah. um, and we also feel like. We, it might be confusing to just refer to it as a second exodus when there's all kinds of teachings out there under that moniker that don't fit with the narrative of the first resurrection. Um, but figuratively speaking, 
it is going to be a giant exodus of souls sure. from Sheol. Okay. So we are not, it's not the terminology itself that we have a problem with. Um, what we're trying to address is the teaching under that terminology. Where that, they take it after yes, they use the terminology. Yes, differentiates yeah. from what's described as the resurrection in scripture. Yeah. So there's there's a lot going on there. So um, the rest of this verse real quick says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they will no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel out of, from the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up and led back the descendants of the household of Israel from the north land, from all the countries where I had driven them then they will live on their own soil. And there it is. So this exodus of souls from Sheol is mm -hmm. going to, you know, the first exodus is going to pale in comparison to this, mm -hmm. but that's for us where it ends. It's the figurative terminology. And when we get into the actual descriptions from the scripture, that happens via the resurrection. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. So the next thing we're going to keep going over some verses we've seen used for the second exodus idea, um, sometimes called the greater exodus. But now we're going to look at some verses that actually talk about the gathering, but also with the qualifier of something specific. Right. So let's look at those real quick. Isaiah 27, verse 12 through 13. In that day, the Lord will start his threshing from the flowing stream of the Euphrates to the brook of Egypt. That's super important. Yes. Um, and you will be gathered up one by one, O sons of Israel. It will come about also in that day that a great trumpet will be blown. Those who are perishing in the land of Assyria and those who are scattered in the land of Egypt will come worship the Lord in the holy mountain at Jerusalem. So <laughs> this is a beautiful passage. Guys, if you've never read Isaiah 27, don't start in Isaiah 27. Start in Isaiah 26. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, the chapters are imposed by scribe, like, you know, people that were compiling the scriptures over time. And I'm pretty sure that the chapters and verses were imposed like back in the 1600s. Right. So, you know, when this, when Isaiah was writing this scroll, there is no 26 and 27. Guys, chapter 26 is leading up to and culminating at the end of chapter 26, verses 19 through 21, to the resurrection. Right. And it literally tells you where you're taken, into your rooms, away from the wrath and indignation of the Lamb. And then it goes on to say in the very next verse, which is Isaiah 27, 1, and I'll, let me go to it real quick. I didn't have time to make a whole bunch of slides on Isaiah because uh, it would have been two full chapters. But if you read the very next verse in Isaiah 27, 1, it says... In that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, with his fierce, great, and mighty sword, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and he will kill the dragon who lives in the sea. In that day, a vineyard of wine, sing of it. I and the Lord am its keeper. I water it every moment so that no one will damage it. I guard it day and night. And then he goes on to talk about, like in verse 6, in the days to come, Jacob will take root, Israel will blossom and sprout. They'll fill the whole world with fruit. So this whole context of Isaiah 26 and 27 is that what we call the day of the Lord, right. right? Where there's something that happens. And so Isaiah 26, 19 talks about the resurrection. Verse 20 talks about being taken to the barn, like we read in Matthew yes. 13, 30, which is the new Jerusalem where you're hidden away from verse 21, which is the wrath of the lamb, the indignation of the Lord. When Yeshua returns with his angels, which we'll read here in a few minutes, but chapter 27 goes on to give you more qualifiers about this day this is also the day Leviathan and Behemoth are destroyed, mm -hmm. and these big creatures that were made on day five. This is also the day, as we just read, where this will happen in Isaiah 27, 12, and 13. He starts his threshing from the flowing streams of Euphrates to the brook of Egypt. This is the fulfillment of the angels that go out, and uh, what we read in Matthew 13, verse 47 through 50, 
where it says in verse 49, they'll go and separate the wicked from the righteous. Now, in the Greek, guys, that word separate is a term that means to cordon off. And that means you're setting up a boundary line mm -hmm. in the Greek. And that's exactly what they're doing because this is the land that was promised to Abraham. Yeah, the brook of Egypt is the Nile. The Nile to the Euphrates, right. Genesis 15. This is the exact territory that was promised to Abraham, much bigger than the current state of Israel, yes. right? So this is why he, they're going to start within those geographical boundaries and start this process. And the angels are the one that's doing it. Yes, the Lord always gets the credit because he sent out the angels, right. right? And just like he sends his son to do the, the wrath of the lamb. But the angels are going and taking care of all the you know peripheral details and everything. So real quick, guys, let's run over to this next passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. We didn't point out, are we going to point out um, so another time qualifier, and this is why we're going to um, this okay, next sorry. verse. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah, the reason we're putting the first Thessalonians 4 up is because there's another time qualifier here. And this is what I'm talking about with recognizing the language used surrounding the day of the Lord and the resurrection. And what we have here is a great trumpet being blown. So this is a time qualifier. So now we can move on to our next verse. <laughs> so let's look at that same qualifier in another verse, also time on a gathering. Yeah. Okay, first Thessalonians 4, 4, 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be informed. This is Paul making sure you know this story, right? right? I don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. There's that trumpet blast, mm -hmm. right? And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So that's two groups, sweetie. Yes. The dead who are alive and those who are alive and remain. Excuse right. me, the dead in Christ yeah. and then those who are alive mm -hmm. and remain. So when all those verses are read in Jeremiah 16, Jeremiah 23, Isaiah 27, <coughs> excuse me, live streams. So all those verses that we read where it said that I will gather them from all the different countries. Mm -hmm. So guys, if you are resurrected in California, how are you going to get to Israel? How are you going to get to that holy mountain of New Jerusalem, right? Well, you've, that's where the angels come, the, the reapers, right? They come and the fishermen, they come and they grab the fish that are ready, but you've been resurrected in a different geogra geography somewhere across the plane of the earth. So now you have to be, you have to be gathered. Yeah. So this is why you're not just like resurrected and then just automatically appear in the New Jerusalem, right? You're resurrected, to, I'm guessing, wherever you died, wherever your body, your, your remains might be. But you're resurrected in, in everywhere, like Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 4 reads, we'll, we'll read later, everywhere under the heaven, under the firmament. There's going to be everyone, all the different countries. And that's why the angels, the fishermen have to go out and gather all them all. So um, he says, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And this is exactly what we also read, Matthew 24, 29 through 31. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the tribulation. Yes. We're going to talk about that in part yeah, three, guys, we'll get two weeks from now. Um, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet. Yes. There's that trumpet again, guys. We've got Isaiah 27, 1 Thessalonians 4, Matthew 24, 
They will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky. What is that? The heaven, ferment. the ferment mm -hmm. to the other, from one end of the heaven to the other. This is the same concept of Jeremiah 16, Jeremiah 23. It's the same big regathering with the qualifier of a massive trumpet. Right. Right. Because it all starts on this very first day, what we call the day of the Lord, the day of the resurrection of the saints. So, um, and as a final recap, yes. guys, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 30, this is that group that Paul was just talking about, 1 Thessalonians 4, yes. who's alive and remain. Right. So we know the dead in Christ raise up, but mm -hmm. what about those who are still alive? Paul covers it right here. Right. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, there's the trumpet again. Yeah. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. So if you're not already dead, you're going to be changed in a twinkling eye into an immortal, incorruptible yes. body. That is one of the great mysteries Paul talks about, right. right? This amazing event that happens because you are a believer in faith and belief, and he's deemed you worthy of the resurrection. Right. So therefore, you're, you don't have to, um, you know, that's why it says the dead in Christ raised first, and then those who are alive and remain, those two groups together, all as one, rise up, and they meet him in the air at his coming. I can do my hands the right way. <laughs> Right? Because that is, I mean, it's super, pretty important um, point of context there. Yeah. And the second Exodus seems to kind of have it backwards where those who are alive and remain are gathered first. And right. then they're all there, I guess, waiting for the resurrection. I very rarely hear people who teach and promote the second, the various versions of the second Exodus. I rarely hear them actually speak of the resurrection and where that plays in to their whole timeline. And I think. Part of the problem is that they're using all the verses that describe the resurrection to right. describe this gathering. So you kind of have the, the timeline out of sync here with what Paul is saying, where he's very clear that the dead are raised first, mm -hmm. the dead are gathered first, and then those who are alive and remain are gathered up with them as they're going. So. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, all right. Thank you, James. Still, <laughs> he's seeing the shirt too. Yeah. Um, Available on Teespring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the ways people support us, guys. They just, they get some of the shirts mm -hmm. we have available. And the link is in our community post. Um, I think it's actually also in, um, I'll have to put the link in this video later, but it's also on our face, Facebook and our social medias. But um, yeah, uh, Miss Vicki Lott, thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks for being here. And uh, welcome, uh, welcome John Williams and Daly Jacob. Uh, Dally Jacobson, uh, Tiffany, daughter of the Most High, Shabbat Shalom, welcome. Um, all right, guys, we appreciate it. Seek the Father, welcome, Shabbat Shalom. Seeing some people in here tonight. All right. Okay. So let's look at some of the other verses we have real quick, because we're going to be still talking about this concept um, of the gathering. And that's, to me, it's just like, it's a super important topic to truly, truly get a grasp on. Um, it's actually why one of my first videos I made on this channel, uh, you can find in the playlist, in the New Beginners playlist, it's about the, the resurrection. Right. I do all the qualifiers. We go into all the way back to Abraham and how the promise always included the resurrection, always. It's all the way back in the book of Job. Yep. I mean, it's everywhere. It's the book of Enoch everywhere. So um, it's a huge part of context. That's why it's one of the branches on our context tree. Yeah. So it's uh, the first resurrection. That's very, very important, guys. Let's look at Jeremiah 30, verse 7 through 11. 
Alas, for that great that day is great. There is none like it. It is the time of Jacob's distress, but he will be saved from it. So let me ask you something, sweetie. If there was a physical resurrection of believers that went across, you know, say like if you're in the United States, right? You lived in Nevada. Mm-hmm. You're one of the people, according to this, the second Exodus teachings we've seen floating around, you're brought from Nevada through Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Tennessee, North Carolina, and then you get to the ocean. The ocean is split open. I think that they teach this idea similar to the Some Nile. Yeah. yeah, the ocean split open. You walk across the ocean. Well, now you're at the Straits of Gibraltar near Spain. <laughs> so then you got to go through either North Africa or through Europe, or I guess, I don't know. It depends on if the Mediterranean is going to be split open too. I'm not sure. So either way, you're you're spending a few months. I mean, it takes three months on a ship, yeah. on an old school ship to get across the Atlantic. So if I, I've never heard of that cleared up either very right. well, and I've definitely never seen any scriptures on it. Um, but some of, them, some of them claim you'll take ships and airplanes. Other people will claim that the, the waters will be open for you. So right. that's if there is uh, angelic protection of some sort so that these other countries don't mow you down when you try to cross their borders. And that's, uh, of course, kind of built into some of these teachings that right. there's going to be some people have taught there's pillars of fire. Some people have taught that there's angels. Some people have taught that there's children that lead you as well. So it just depends on which teacher you're listening to and what they're what they're trying to promote from their own reasoning. Um, but as far as the scriptures, I haven't seen anything that describes anything like that because this very first verse here says, for that day is great. Mm-hmm. There is none like it. And it is the time of Jacob's distress, but he'll be saved from it. So for one, I think it might be important to, to break down the difference of what it means to be saved from it, mm-hmm. right? And that doesn't mean you're spared from persecution, persecution tribulation. but yeah. it's talking about how you're saved from it. And scripture goes into great detail. We're going to cover that much more in part three, guys. But if, if there's none like this day, if this day is being said to be this traveling, physical land-based traveling of, this, of the second Exodus teaching, then that means there's no other day greater than that. Right. What is that saying? that the, the coming of the Lord and the resurrection itself is not greater than this. That See, that's where my brain goes on tilt. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because all throughout the prophets, guys, the, the, when Yeshua returns with the angels, prophesied all the way back to the book of Enoch, and the resurrection of the saints happens, that is called the day of consummation, the end of the ages, uh, the great day. It's spoken about so many places in the scriptures and prophecy. It is the day to look forward to. It is the day that no one will ever forget, right. right? And so it's hard for me to take this terminology and apply it to a teaching that we've heard from the second Exodus when there is a day greater, Yes. you know, which literally is the day of the Lord, right? right? So it's hard for me, but I'm going to keep going. It says, it shall come about on that day, declares the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off their neck and will tear off their bonds. Strangers will no longer make them their slaves, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord, and do not be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from afar and your offspring from the land of their captivity. What? (laughs) Does this mean that they're in captivity when he's saving them? We're going to cover that more in part three, guys. Jacob will return and will be quiet and at ease. No one will make them afraid. I am with you, declares the Lord, to save you, for I will completely destroy all the nations where I've scattered you. Only I will not yet destroy you completely. But I will chasten you justly and will by no means leave you unpunished. 
I, once again, I just, you know, people give me verses when, when we have these um, discussions about second exodus versus resurrection. And some of these verses I read and I, I don't really understand how it's describing what is taught under this terminology. I'm not seeing here people being brought out of their homes, walking physically all the way to the, the geographical area of the political state of Israel. I'm not seeing a description of people being in that wilderness for a certain amount of time while they wait for the Lord to come. I'm not seeing people camping out here. I'm not seeing people following commandments from Exodus about how to camp when you're in the camp of the Lord. I'm, I know there are some people who teach Make sure you bring a shovel with you for you right, know. your excrement. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, again, I get very confused when people give me these um, scriptures because a, I'm already looking through the lens of the first resurrection. And so I just see that everywhere the gathering is happening and B I'm not seeing the actual descriptions of what people are teaching under this terminology of this time in the wilderness where people are camping out and waiting for the Lord to return. So, yeah. Yeah, and nor have I ever seen anyone that teaches a second exodus theory address the bottom of this verse in verse 11 where it says he's going to destroy the nations right. where he scattered you because apparently they're still rocking and rolling and doing their thing under the Antichrist yeah. in most of these teachings because most of these second exodus teachings replace the, the mainstream church rapture theory, mm -hmm. which is that before the day of the Lord happens, before Yeshua returns in the sky, that you're you're brought and taken away from all the carnage that's going to happen of the tribulation, and that's kind of what seems to have been replaced with the second exodus theory. Yeah. No matter which teaching you've heard, that is this general premise by all of it is that the people chosen to, to go undergo this this right. journey of the second exodus idea, they're going to just go to a place of safety while the rest of the world is is going through the tribulation or under the reign of the beast or whatever. However, that teacher offers it, but none of them mentioned the actual idea that these nations are all destroyed. Right. So, um, and I just want to mention, I've noticed uh, questions in the chat about the wrath and we'll probably get to that in part three. Yeah, I think that topic is going to fit with what we're going to talk about in part three. So we're not ignoring your question, but it will be answered two weeks from now. So yeah. tune in for that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So. so real quick guys, we'll go to Ezekiel 37, uh, verse 21 through 28. We see this, um, uh, brought up a lot with the second Exodus ideas and we'll just share it for everyone watching. It says, uh, verse 21 starts off saying, say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will take the sons of Israel from among the nations where they've gone. I will gather them from every side, bring them into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. One King will be for, will be King for all of them. And they will no longer be two nations and no longer be divided into two kingdoms. Uh, hallelujah. That's yes. awesome. Yeah, it's crazy after that, right? They will no longer defile themselves with their idols or with their detestable things or with any of their transgressions, but I will deliver them from all their dwelling places in which they've sinned and will cleanse them. And they will be my people. I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them and they will all have one shepherd. They will walk in my ordinances and keep my statutes and observe them. Um, if you're just joining the live stream, guys, we covered a verse a few, a few minutes ago yes. to explain the idiomatic terminology of calling Yeshua David is a common practice in ancient cultures. They would take a very strong king and they would give him that same title or monarch applied to future kings, right? And so Yeshua, he's idiomatically referenced in this passage of prophecy as King David, but it's talking about Yeshua. 
Um, it says, they will live on the land that I give to Jacob, my servant, in which your fathers live, and they will live on it, they and their sons and their sons' sons forever. And my, David, my servant, will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. Now, uh, let me finish the last verse yeah. and I'll go back. All right. My dwelling place will also be with them. That's important. Yes. I will be their God. They will be my people. And the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel when my sanctuary is in their midst. That's the third time in two verses. He said that that's a huge qualifier for this gathering. He's yep. talking about guys, his sanctuary. This is where we've put out multiple videos explaining the yes. new Jerusalem descends at the beginning of the millennial <laughs> reign. Um, guys, I'll, I'll, after this is over, um, I'll put it in the, the video description the link to a video I just recently did called New Heaven and New Earth. It's a morning cup of context. I go into great depth to explain how the New Jerusalem is on the ground at the beginning of the millennial reign and why that has to be according to a ton of scripture. And also right here, right? Yes. This gathering, the resurrection, is also when his sanctuary comes down and he's in their midst and he's and they will live on that land that they're taken to forever. Okay. Well, the land, if, if the second Exodus teachings um, have any merits, the land they're being taken to is modern day Israel, right? Or somewhere in that vicinity, or Mount Sinai and or Saudi Mount Sinai Arabia. and Saudi Arabia, yeah. which all that land, guys, as we read from Matthew 13 49 through 51, um, and also it's in Joel 2 and other places, all that land is destined for destruction by fire, it's going to be destroyed so that the new Jerusalem can sit down on it. So, how are they going to live there forever, right? as this verse promises them, right. right? Because it's not that's not the land that they're taken to at the gathering. You're taken up to the barn as Isaiah 26, 20 tells you. So another issue that I have with people use, because we're, what we're trying to do guys is put up verses that we are popularly given to us when we're having this discussion of second Exodus versus the first resurrection. Um, and then we're also trying to show some other scripture that we find that gives us, you know, more definitions of certain terminology and, and language is being used. And one of the things that kind of gets me about this verse, this passage from Ezekiel 37 being used is because just a few paragraphs up, if you read in Ezekiel 37 verses 11 through 14, he literally describes the resurrection. He literally says he's going to raise us up out of our graves and bring us to the land. It's all, it's all one event. So it's not, I'm going to bring you to this area first, and then I'm going to raise you from your graves and then bring you into the land. It's one fell swoop. I'm going to raise you from your graves and bring you to the land. So you, I, 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 personally don't know how you can ignore that very clear description of how we are regathered and then skip all the way down and give people this other passage from yeah. the same chapter as if that resurrection passage isn't just before the right. ones that we just read just so. a few verses before right yep so that's uh it's uh, we're always talking about context right yes like how many how many different ways can you find context there's like right. 10 um one we always try to encourage is you know look up the definition of words uh, we also want to try to look at the surrounding context just in that chapter or that zone, that region that you're reading. And then sometimes, like we showed at the beginning of the broadcast with Isaiah 27 and 26, you got to go back a chapter before. Right. Right. Or maybe two chapters later. Like when you have uh, uh, Ezekiel 26 gives you the explanation of who it's talking about in Ezekiel 28. Right. But that's a whole other video that we're not going to go into tonight, guys. But the point is, context creates comprehension. That's one of the things that we say in this channel. 
And that's what we try to hopefully show folks that you not let off into teachings that take away your hope. Yes. What, what did we read from 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13? I am saying this to give you hope. He's like, do not believe the other stuff like those who have no hope. Yeah, we're right? to comfort each other with the words that describe the resurrection. That's right, guys. <laughs> that is our great hope. Yes. And that's, so yeah, that's that's our hope for you guys. That's our passion for doing this. And so yeah, let's go to our last pair of verses real quick, and then we're going to open up the Q&A section. Our last pair of verses we're going to look at is Jeremiah chapter 50. Um, we're going to read from 1 to 16. So real quick in verse 1, it says, The word which the Lord spoke concerning Babylon, the land of the Chaldean, the, um, yeah, the land of the Chaldeans, through Jeremiah the prophet, declare and proclaim among the nations, proclaim it and lift up a standard. Do not conceal it, but say Babylon has been captured. Baal has been put to shame. Marduk has been shattered. Her images have been put to shame. Her idols have been scattered, excuse me, shattered. For a nation has come up against her out of the north and it will make her land an object of horror and there will be no inhabitant in it. Both man and beast have wandered off. They have gone away. In those days and at that time, declares the Lord, the sons of Israel will come both they and the sons of the Judah as well, they will go along weeping as they go, and it will be the Lord their God they will seek. They will ask for the way to Zion, turning their faces in its direction. They will come that they may join themselves to the Lord in an everlasting covenant that will not be forgotten. My people have become lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They have made them turn aside on the mountains. They have gone along from the mountain to hill, have forgotten their resting place. All who come upon them have devoured them, and their adversaries have said, We are not guilty, inasmuch as they have sinned against the Lord, who is the habitation of righteousness, even the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Wander away from the midst of Babylon, and go forth from the land of the Chaldeans. Be also like male goats at the head of the flock. For behold, I'm going to arouse and bring up against Babylon a horde of great nations from the land of the north, and they will draw up their battle lines against her. From there she will be taken captive. Their arrows will be like an expert warrior who does not return into handed. And then in verse 9 through 16, it says, Chaldea will become plunder. All who plunder her will have enough, declares the Lord. Because you are glad, because you are jubilant, O you who pillaged my heritage, because you skip about like a threshing heifer and neigh like stallions, your mother will be greatly ashamed. She who gave you birth will be humiliated. Behold, she will be the least of the nations, a wilderness, a parched land, and a desert. Because of the indignation of the Lord, she will not be inhabited, but she will be completely desolate. Everyone who passes by Babylon will be horrified and will hiss because of all of her wounds. Draw up your battle lines against Babylon on every side. All you who bend the bow, shoot at her. Do not be sparing with your arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. Raise your battle cry against her on every side. She has given herself up. She, excuse me, her pillars have fallen. Her walls have been torn down. For this is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance on her. As she has done to others, so do to her. Cut off the sower from Babylon, the one who wills the sickle at the time of harvest. From before the sword of the oppressor, they will each turn to his own people, and they will each flee to his own land. Okay, there's a lot in here, guys. For one, he's raising up nations against Babylon. This is the famous passage, right? That What do we read in the previous verses? That he's going to draw people from Israel and Judah. Right. It mentions the two houses specifically, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Whereas in the resurrection verses we've read, it says all the sons of Israel from everywhere under the heaven, and the two sticks have already come together in this event. Right. right. Yet this passage is talking about both Israel and Judah will come back weeping, seeking Zion and seeking the Lord. Right. All right. And a, a, um, nations will come against Babylon. All right. So in Revelation 18, is it not Babylon that is destroyed at the coming of the Lord? Is it mother Babylon? 
Mother Babylon. It's Mother Babylon, <laughs> right. So what's interesting here, guys, is you have some huge qualifiers inside of this actual passage. And the reason why I've got this highlighted at the bottom in verse 16 is because did you would you be surprised if I told you the Septuagint has says something a little different in here? I would definitely not be surprised. <laughs> so let's look at what the Septuagint says in Jeremiah 50, verse 16, in the yellow, highlighted, utterly destroy seed out of Babylon. And him that holds a sickle in time of harvest for fear of the Grecian sword, mm -hmm. they shall return everyone to his people and everyone shall flee to his own land. So guys, this just gave us a huge, huge time qualifier and hint. If it wasn't already enough to understand, it's talking to the two houses still. Right. If it wasn't already enough to understand the difference between old school Babylon of right. 400 BC compared, yeah, compared to mother Babylon of Revelation 18 at the day of the Lord. If that wasn't big enough qualifiers for you, the text literally tells you in the, in the uh, Septuagint in verse 16 that it is the sword of the Greeks that is going to come against Babylon. And guys, we absolutely see this in history. This is, mm -hmm. this is documented this is history. fulfilled prophecy. This is literally Alexander the Great. Yeah. <laughs> this is him that came through in 300 BC and conquested all these regions. Okay, guys? So he had a huge empire. Um, and this was the extent and the breadth of his empire. And I'm going to actually, I put together a little, a couple actually timelines um, to actually go over this, this conquest of Alexander. So if you guys look closely, you have at the, at the left-hand side of this, of this uh, timeline I put together to show you the time period of Jeremiah's prophecy in Jeremiah 50 being actually fulfilled in history. And this is uh, approximately 550 BC is when Cyrus allowed the Israelites to return to their homeland. Okay. So we know that this was in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. Okay, we have those documented in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. But as we also know, not all of them came back, right? That's why we have the book of Esther and some other books, right? So but they didn't all come back, and that's understandable. Um, some of them were not in faith, but Jeremiah is actually talking to them. Through prophecy, the Lord Yahweh, through Jeremiah, is talking to them in Jeremiah 50 to say, flee Babylon, right? get out of her, because the Grecian sword is about to come against her. So if we look in this timeline, as you see, approximately 200 years after Cyrus lets the returning exiles come back, there's still Israelites in the kingdom of Babylon, right. which, as we just saw from that previous slide, encompasses all the region. Like, it's much greater than even what Babylon um, took over. Right. You remember in the book of Esther and Daniel, it's up to 127 provinces. Mm -hmm. That was a huge empire, but Alexander the Great took over even more than that. So there are Jews scattered everywhere. Just like we see in Jeremiah 45 and other places where Jews were trying to be sold to Egypt. So there was Jews that already went down to Egypt during this time. There's Jews all the way up in Cappadocia and Assyria and Armenia, Nineveh and Ectobon, all over the place, guys. I mean, the whole book of Tobit takes place around the area of Ectobon. Yeah, you right? mean Israelites, right? Uh, scattered Israelites, okay. yes. I'm sorry if I said the wrong word. Um, I get excited talking about history. <laughs> I, I really like history. So the point is, this, the, it, both houses, right, the scattered Israelites, as well as those in Judah, who went in the secondary exile with Nebuchadnezzar mm -hmm. and the kingdom of Judah, they also, not all of them came back, and they were parceled out around the Babylonian empire that Alexander the Great took over. So to all of the Israelites that the father did not break covenant with, right. that we talked about that in identity crisis, he's talking to them in Jeremiah 50. Hey, guys, get out of Babylon, yeah. right? And many of them did, and that's the thing. Many of them, like just like Jeremiah 50 talked about the prophecy, they did come back weeping, both from the house of Israel and from the house of Judah. 
into the area of Samaria and Judah, mm -hmm. right? This is why you have later on the actual Samarians right. are petitioning the Seleucid Empire, which took over after, um, after Alexander the Great, petitioning to build their own temple near Mount Gerizim in yeah. Samaria because they were returning Israelites from the northern house. And then, of course, the southern house, we know that story picks up with Ezra and Nehemiah, leads into the Maccabeans, right? So this whole concept is that there's a lot of history there we don't really talk about in church that often. Right. So approximately 336 BC, Alexander the Great becomes king of Macedonia at age 20. About approximately uh, four years later, he conquers Egypt. Approximately one year later, he conquers Babylon. So both of these regions have scattered Israelites in them right? From both houses. Mm -hmm. And approximately 326 BC, he conquered, he tries to conquer India, doesn't quite do it. And then he dies um, about three years later and his four generals get his kingdom and it's divided up. So it's yeah. very unique. We actually read about this in Daniel chapter 11, verse one through two. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, it tells you because anyway, so that's a much deeper study. We won't, <laughs> we won't run into that too much, but, and then approximately 312 BC, that's when uh, Seleucus, um, he took over that part of the empire that was formerly the Persian empire mm -hmm. out of the control from what Alexander had conquered. And that included Judea. Right. And that's what I was just telling you about the returning Israelites who came through under the Seleucid rule, which we call the Seleucid empire mm -hmm. during the days of the Maccabeans. They actually in the, in the area of Samaria, which would be in the land of Naphtali area, they petitioned the Seleucid rulers to build their own temple near Mount Gerizim. And they did. So this is sweetie. Do you realize what we're talking about here? I don't know. Do I? <laughs> Guys, this is actually the reason why in John chapter four, when Jesus is talking to the lady at the well, and she's like, right. where are we going to worship in Samaria or at Jerusalem? Right. And Jesus is like, neither. When, you know, in yeah. the future, all that's going to be leveled and destroyed. New Jerusalem is set down. You're going to worship in New Jerusalem. Right. So because they the reason why she's asking that is because there was history there. Right. They had actually had their own temple there at one point in Mount Gerizim area, but it was it was destroyed uh, later by the Seleucids and everything. So um, the point is, that's why she's even asking that question. Right. And then as let me go back to the timeline real quick and we can see how um, we're going to wrap this up and get to some questions real quick. But you can see that at the end of this timeline, that's where we have in 160 B.C., you have uh, Judas Maccabeus and he's revolting against the Seleucid Empire. Right. So that's that famous story with the, the book of Maccabees. And the whole point here, guys, is that there are returning Israelites from both houses, the northern and the southern house, that in period, just like they were scattered in progressive stages, they returned in different progressive stages. And one of those is Jeremiah 50, where the father's telling them, get out of Babylon. About the Greek sword's about to come against it. Get out of Babylon. And they do. That's why in the days of Jesus, you have uh, a prophetess, Anna, from the tribe of Asher, which was a northern house tribe, in the temple in Jerusalem. Right. Right? You have, she's not accounted for in Ezra and Nehemiah. Right. Where'd she come from? <laughs> right? So, like, there, there's all types of examples, guys. There, Unfortunately, um, there's some teachings out there that have taught some very wonky history when it comes to the exiles returning over time and how that all happened. So, I mean, otherwise, there would be no reason for even Yeshua's family, who were of Levites and um, the tribe of Judah, to be living up in the land of Naphtali area, right? which wasn't his, his family's original land anyway. So, like, there's a whole bunch of mixture going on that, you know, we, we're actually going to cover some of this in the next few weeks when I actually finally release my Identity Crisis Part 2 series. It's only been a year, guys. Thanks for waiting. <laughs> so... <laughs>
but there's just a lot of history that I try to compile and make concise. Mm -hmm. So I just, I want to do it justice. Um, so guys, we've put forward quite a bit. Um, so do you have anything to say while I get some water? Um, no, I, if we covered everything from our outline, I guess we can probably take our take questions now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, before we do, let me do this real quick, because this is one slide that I actually forgot to show folks. So guys, this you see this timeline we put together. And if you look right here, that's the spot right here. Where Jeremiah 50. Yep. It's taking place. This is the spot where Jeremiah 50, verse 4 through 16 is being fulfilled in prophecy, right before Alexander the Great is about to about six months before. So anyway, I just forgot to share that extra slide. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, that's if you guys have any questions in the chat, hopefully you put them in caps um, or did a super chat so that we can actually see them. But I just want to say uh, Shabbat Shalom. We got Greg Swaim, Shabbat Shalom, Randy uh, Boutet. I think that's her name. Believe in the scene, Shabbat Shalom. Welcome, everyone. Um, Michael Harris, welcome. Um, let me see here. We don't have any debates scheduled anytime that I know <laughs> of. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a weird balancing act with finding people who want to kind of yeah. a, have a passionate conversation with you, whether it's an informal type of debate or an actual structured debate. Yeah. Because if it's like a weird balancing act, because like if if you come across too strong, no one wants to debate you. Right? right. If you come across too weak, people don't want to debate you because they think you're not worthy of it. So yeah. it's like this weird balancing act of like you got to show yourself knowledgeable in some areas, but you don't want to be, you know, too. Um, too overwhelming so you scare yeah. people off you know so um, um all right so guys we're looking for any questions if y'all have any here yeah Let's, if there was any second exodus versus specific that you would like us to address we this is what we're opening this section for like i said the questions about the rat the bowls of wrath you know will be we'll definitely be addressing those in the third part so just scrolling through here. Yeah, Ms. Marshall Leonard, welcome. She got her late. Welcome, welcome. Um, and guys, just in case you're ever wondering, the way that I'm, um, I'm kind of, we're new to the live stream game. So we're, I'm trying to still figure out some of the behind the, behind the scenes uh, technical um, requirements because there's different programs that you can use to do this. We're currently using a program called Zoom, which makes it very easy to do, but it doesn't allow me to create a notification for the live stream um, on YouTube. So if I do create a notification through YouTube system, I won't be able to use that particular link and then I have to cancel that, open up a new link in order to actually do the live stream. So I'm still trying to work out the details, but um, let me see if we see any good questions in here. Which I can't see which one you're pointing to. This one here. I don't know if that's something we'll answer in part three or if we can answer it now. Okay, so it looks like, um, let me see if I can find it up here. I think it was Greg Swain. Mm -hmm. He had a question about. Yeah, he, he put at Sean to start it. So maybe that'll help you see it in the chat. Okay. Yeah. Revelation 12, 17. Um, the, the woman flees to the wilderness. Meanwhile, the seed of the woman's remnant is a group that Satan will make war with. Who do you think that remnant seed of the woman is? Believers. 
Who is the woman? We think it's Zion. We, we think it's we the New Jerusalem. It's Zion. Yeah. And that, that actually goes into a totally different teaching as far yeah. as understanding the biblical creation model. Um, what has to do with what Paul's even talking about in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1 through 3, where he tells you the location of the New Jerusalem, also called paradise, um, in the here and now. Before it comes down, where is it now? And that's, and Paul tells you, I actually did a, yeah. we did an entire presentation. Um, some of this has also taken place in my New Heaven, New Earth video. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't seen that, please go check that out. It's in the, it's um, um, in my most recent videos, and you, I just put it out a couple months ago. And I go over where that is when it drops down, um, all the verses involved. Um, we'll get to the wilderness yes. language in the next part, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about the wilderness language in the next part. But yeah, I think it's traditionally people think that the woman that is fleeing is the church. Um, but didn't you and Ken do like a three-part series yeah. on that? Yeah, but unfortunately, we don't have access to those videos anymore. Oh, so. darn. Okay. Um Never yeah, mind. We, I was yeah. going to direct you to some videos, but we can't yeah, get we, them. <laughs> series on Road Rescue. Yeah, because I've talked on my Facebook before about this this other character that is often just glazed over in the the narrative of the Gospel of the Kingdom, and that is the woman. The bear. She's a barren woman right. until we're resurrected. Isaiah sixty six seven through nine. She right. Has full nation so the day. city itself, Zion, the New Jerusalem, is an actual character that's that's spoken to by the Father, spoken of all throughout Scripture. She's personified, anthropomorphized as a, a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so the woman that would be fleeing would, in our in our yeah. understanding of Scripture and the you know who this character is, that would be Zion, um, and she's a barren woman because she doesn't have any inhabitants in her yet. That's right. So that's why we're her children. We're the children of Zion when we're, we're actually, resurrected. We'll be talking about this in greater depth next week when we discuss yeah. the wilderness and we break that down and define that from scripture as well. So, because yeah. that's a part of the big second Exodus teachings yes. is that we're taken to the wilderness, right? right? Which is some of the verses that we, I think just one of them we read tonight, but um, ultimately we'll break that down in greater depth. Yeah. Along with the land of your fathers is another term right? that I think is yeah. confused. So that's right. Thank you, Ryan, for moderating for us. Yes, um, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, we're, we're you know, we, we definitely want to keep questions on topic of mm-hmm. the second exodus. Specifically, if there's any other verses that you think describe, you know, fit with this doctrine of a second exodus of, of you know, regathering of living believers to a certain geographical area where they wait for the coming of the Lord. Um, if there's other verses that you think we, you know, need to address where, you know, we'll be here for a few more minutes <laughs> waiting for those. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So, yeah, I think we have a comment here about some of the statements I made about um, the scattering, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's from Dally Jacobson. Most of the Israelites in the Syrian captivity escaped into Europe per 2nd Ezra 13. Hmm. So that is what I would, I mean, Dally, uh, you know, I don't know if you're a man or a woman, but I would say that to say they went to Europe specifically, possibly that's a little bit of guesswork because that verse in second Ezra 13 doesn't specifically tell you where they went it just says they had another year and a half journey to go right when they did go and uh, and it was to a land uninhabited so it, to me it's hard for me to think it's europe um yes there are lots of israelites that are went into europe through being conquered and sold by the assyrian kings into slavery and captivity right. all throughout europe and North Europe and Russia and Egypt and Spain 
And also then Nebuchadnezzar comes in with Babylonian Empire later, 100 years later, they sell them into Egypt and into all these other places as well. Like, again, like I said, 127 provinces, it was a huge portion of area, different countries. So they weren't all just taken back across the Euphrates River, right? Right. They were, they were sparceled out as you would do back in the day when you conquered a land and you had the leftovers of the peoples. If you can't use them for your own needs, then you would sell them into slavery to make money off of them. It's horrible, but that's the way they did it. So, um, you see any other questions in there? Um, we, we're going to talk about the bowls of wrath in part, three. part three. Yeah. Part, Cause we're um, going to more revelation stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Michael. Um, that's a great question. Please yeah, join us we'll in two weeks. We will. We're, we're trying to keep these live streams to about an hour and we're trying to keep them on, on focus for, uh, for the topic. But. Yeah, this is a big topic. And so we realized, you know, we can't just do this in one part. We need to do a few parts of this to address all the questions that naturally arise from it. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I was hoping, you know, that I would see more, uh, I don't want to say pushback, but I was hoping I would see more verses in the chat that people are saying, answer this one, answer this one. Isn't this the second exodus? Isn't this the second exodus? But I'm really not seeing that in yeah. the chat. So, I mean, maybe that's a good thing. I mean, maybe. Maybe. Until, well, the sad know. part is, you know, we got yeah. a little under a hundred people watching, yeah. right? So when you get up to like a thousand people watching, that's, you know, the people yeah. who can make it right now, they, those are the ones that are going to have the questions. Yeah. So and uh, we may not be able to get to all those comments once. Please once try to put your up. question in the comments. If you do have another verse that you think talks about a physical land gathering of the second exodus, um, otherwise, you know, we'll, we're just trying to address the comments in the chat right now. So, all right. So, um, no, Dolly, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about when Syria was taken over by Babylon. I'm talking about when they first scattered in three successive periods, mm -hmm. the Northern houses, Naphtali being the first, um, in I think it's Second Kings chapter fifteen, but um, they then scatter them all throughout the place. If they didn't kill them, they took the remnants back with them, and then some were even sold into slavery. So yeah, that's something I learned when Sean and I started getting into the identity crisis thing, and um, I didn't realize that the scattering happened in waves. It yeah. wasn't just one event, and even all the way up until the destruction of Jerusalem in seventy A.D., because there was another scattering there as well. Yeah. So it wasn't just one event. It was 600 a years of, of events. Yeah. Lots and lots of years of turmoil. Yeah. So and this was exactly what was promised in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy. Yes. If they reject the covenant and they didn't do the ways of the father, he was going to send all these enemies against them and scatter them amongst the nations. And, um, and that's exactly what we see fulfilled. Yeah. So there's prophecy in the Torah absolutely fulfilled throughout the rest of the middle of the Bible. <laughs> yeah. The middle of the Bible. So, timeline regarding the second exodus you have a timeline regarding the second exodus. that's what that's what we try to talk about tonight i'm not sure uh carrie i appreciate you joining us i'm not sure if you just got here but we at the, the the last 45 to 50 minutes of this broadcast this live stream we talked about the timeline of what people are calling the second exodus mm -hmm. the gathering when that is actually the the scriptural qualifiers of when that actually occurs so um yeah and our just for the record if you haven't been here the whole time our position is that we teach the first resurrection we don't teach the doctrine of a second exodus where where living believers are gathered into a physical land area and protected during the tribulation and wait and camp out in that area for yeshua to return and do what he's going to do we teach the resurrection the gathering happens through 
the resurrection. So what we did in this presentation is we went over Exodus type doctrine. Um, and we have, in my estimation, shown through the language and terminology used in the time qualifiers that those verses are actually referring to the resurrection. And then of course, Jeremiah 50 is actually referring to a past event that's already been fulfilled. So you're so cute. We gotta get you on some debates. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that type. <laughs> We can do like a we can do like a husband and wife debate. Hey guys, if you know anyone out there that wants to talk to us <laughs> about the second exodus, as far as a, a formalized debate on the scriptures, mm -hmm. um, send them our information. Okay, send them to our, our Facebook or send them to our you know we got a, you know Kingdom of Context at Gmail. That's a that's one of our email sites. Yes, the video will be available once. YouTube takes a little while yeah. to process it. It's weird with a live stream, like you won't be able to watch it immediately. Yeah. But later on tonight and definitely by tomorrow morning, this video will be available for you to go through and review. Yeah, I think it usually takes like 30 minutes to an hour and then it's processed and it's up and you can view it again after the live stream's over. Um, <laughs> Aiden, I would too. We brother. would too. Shabbat would Shalom. Um, I would too. I've actually asked him. He said no. But, um, you know, he's, he's busier. He's got things going on in his life right now. It's fine. Um, he's, we love he's, him. Yeah, he's a great we guy. We love him, and you know, it's these are um, minor differences in our opinion. We agree on all the important stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. our brother. It's just uh, he, I don't. I'm not. I don't think he's interested for a variety of reasons. But one of the biggest one might be that he's been promoting this for quite some. Be attached to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's and that's okay. People can get attached to stuff. You guys haven't even seen all the like. You know, you haven't even heard or seen some of the some of the super deep theories that I have on scripture, because I just haven't gotten there yet. We're still yeah. doing this part time. Right. <laughs> so like, uh, you know, that's, you know, all these guys that are out there, we're doing our best trying to, you know, put the scriptures forward on screen as we see them, as we understand them to be clear, concise and show them. And, and, you know, Zach has put out a series of teachings on this. He's done conferences talking about this idea that he does promote the second exodus, physical, physical land gathering of people before the resurrection, before the return of Yeshua. We disagree with that interpretation. Um, and maybe in the future, who knows, maybe he would want to talk to us and go over some of the verses about it. But ultimately, um, um, he just hasn't decided to do that yet. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see in the future. But uh, he's a cool guy. And um, we like both of his channels, both his American Homestead yeah. channel and also his Neuter Torah. So if you guys like to do any Homestead, go check out his other channel as Definitely. well because that's really cool he's got a lot of good information on that um other than that i think i don't see any other questions guys so i don't see any other questions um so we might end the live stream yeah we're past our our hour cut off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we always go we always go longer than we intend to <laughs> yeah all right guys just remember we have red galatians for everyone that's catching us later uh, we actually did a four-part series on Galatians and Torah Apologetics yeah. playlist. Go check that out. Um, I think the playlist is actually called Have You Read Galatians? Yes, So <laughs> we, we now have a t-shirt that matches the actual playlist, and I break it down in four parts, who uh, who the, the audience was that mm -hmm. Paul spoke to, his disciples, his converts, the churches that he planted, um, I about who was Paul. That's part right. two, right? What did he teach? What did he believe? 
And then also the problem that Paul was dealing with everywhere he went. And then in part four of that series, we actually dig into the text itself. And we look at all of some of the controversial verses that people yeah. use to say, how dare you say that you have to actually obey the commandments? Don't yeah. you know that no one is justified by the works of the law? Have you read Galatians? Yes. And then I say, <laughs> well, I got the shirt. That's how much I read. <laughs> so, we love Galatians. Yeah, it's a great book. You just have to know the context. So, all right. Um, I think we will, uh, Shabbat Shalom, guys. We will hot, We will take off for tonight. And um, we appreciate everyone joining us. And if you like this presentation, this video, like, share, and subscribe. If you're watching this, you haven't already subscribed, now's your time. Yeah. Hit the button, hit the little bell icon so that you're notified every time we put on a new video. And um, we just appreciate and love you guys. We hope you have a great Sabbath. Yeah, thanks for joining us, everybody. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom to everyone. And we will see you next time.